Doctor, I thought the TARDIS was working again. What gave you that idea? Oh, being dragged off to an alien planet 500 years in the future, for example. Oh, you know, all that business with the miners and the colonists. My dear Joe, the TARDIS was being operated then under remote control by the High Council of the Time Lords. Well, if it worked for them... I don't want it to work for them. I want it to work for me. No one's going to turn me into an interplanetary puppet. And thank you for joining us on a quick trip through space and time. My name is Caleb. And I'm Mac. And this is a podcast where a Doctor Who veteran and a Doctor Who beginner go through each episode and give their thoughts on it. And today we are discussing Day of the Daleks. Before I said my name, I was about to start taking a swig from my water bottle. And I'm like, in less than a second, you have to start saying shit, you idiot. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, you're fine. Oh, wait. Day of the Daleks was written by Louis Marx, directed by Paul Bernard, produced by Barry Letts, and aired January 1st, 1972 to January 22nd, 1972. Caleb, do you recognize the name Louis Marx? No. Okay, good. I'd be absolutely shocked if you did, because the only episode that he's written before this was Planet of the Giants. Oh, wow. That was a while ago. <laughs> that was that was a while ago. We were getting a veteran. And by veteran, I mean a guy who was in one battle and then was shot in the leg and then was sent home, like, first day of the war. <laughs> <laughs> but still technically counts as a veteran. But he's back for another fight. <laughs> yeah, but, man, I hate that I'm excited for the Daleks, but I'm excited for the Daleks. <laughs> Yeah, you know, in a weird way, I am too. It's It's been a while. We we haven't had the Daleks since Evil of the Daleks, which was the first episode starring Victoria. That's how far back this was. It's been a hot minute. Yeah. And apparently they're going to be out during the daytime, so we've got that to be excited about. Oh, yes. It's going to be a sunshiny <laughs> Dalek episode. <laughs> and, like, it still feels weird. You're like, oh, thank God. We're finally done with the master. We don't have to deal with uh, the same villain over and over again. At least we've got the Daleks this time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, now we can go into new villains like the Daleks. <laughs> Next episode is going to star the Cybermen. I will, I will die. <laughs> and then it's the Yetis. And then it's the Daleks again. <laughs> and then it's the master and the Cybermen. <laughs> but yeah, you've got so much to work with. There's Daleks. It's probably going to be day at some point. But Caleb, given everything you know about Doctor Who and given the title of this episode, The Day of the Daleks, what do you think this episode's going to be about? After going back in time far enough to when the Daleks were alive, the Daleks, somehow still remembering the Doctor is going to kill them eventually, want to make peace and take them out for a nice little picnic and a lunch. And they roll down a hill and lay on a blanket. And the dogs confess their deepest, darkest secrets to the doctor. And the doctor realizes, oh, these guys have to be exterminated. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's like a 
go out with the Daleks, make a day of it. Yeah, make make a day of it, and then he realizes at the end they're genocidal maniacs and have to be destroyed. One of the good genocides. The Doctor uh, ends his date instead of being like, hmm, I don't think this is going to work out. And just like saying that and like, I, I, I think we should stay friends or just like ghosting them or whatever. Instead, he's just like, no, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Not just him, but his whole family and his entire race, actually. <laughs> that is my prediction. That's a solid guess. I do not remember what this this episode is about. I do know that there are some aspects of your prediction not the rolling around in the field of flowers thing, but there's some <laughs> minute aspects of your prediction that do come up in a future Dalek episode. <laughs> <laughs> the classic, that is right. Eventually. Eventually. <laughs> yeah, I know we've already talked about it, but like your best strategy is just to come up with one episode prediction and just use that for every single one until it finally hits. <laughs> Uh, all right, it's got Cybermen in the title, trying to pull out ye old Cybermen prediction. <laughs> Blows on the book cover and dust goes everywhere. <laughs> all right, well, I guess with that, we will see you all in the future. Let's get going. And we're back. May have just been a couple seconds for you, but it was five days for us. I just got done eating B-dubs. I am very scared of how many times I'm going to have to edit out my burps. (laughs) (laughs) I just finished eating a stuffed crust pizza from Pizza Hut, so I am in pain right now. Life is pain. Life is pain. Luckily, we watched a really good episode of Doctor Who, and we're gonna have a real good time talking about it to distract from the pain no no pain involved in there will be (laughs) no pain involved in the retelling of this story (laughs) Uh, all right so my thesis is that this is the most mid dalek episode since the daleks yeah uh i would say it's certainly uh, it's uh, i was having like an existential crisis almost watching this episode because I was almost like, am I really never going to get the high that the chase gave me? Because <laughs> <laughs> lots of people die in this episode. There's lots of shooty shooty bang bang craziness. But there's just not that feeling of like a planet burning down <laughs> like in the chase. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll go ahead and give you this piece of trivia right now. Because it, it didn't even occur to me while we were watching the other Dalek episodes. But it kind of blew my mind. This is the first episode starring the daleks since the daleks that didn't involve a cast change oh is it really yeah because i mean there was there was the daleks and then there was dalek invasion earth susan left susan left there was the chase Ian and barbara left uh the dalek master plan dalek master plan which had um two katarina and sarah then there was Power of the Daleks, which was the first episode with the second Doctor. And then there was Evil of the Daleks, which introduced Victoria. This is the first episode with the Daleks since the Daleks that doesn't have a cast change. So it doesn't have, like, the hashtag dramatic moment that so many other Dalek episodes have had. <laughs> I see. Hmm. Maybe that's why I felt it was so mid. 
Yeah, maybe. <laughs> this also... I, I know I'm way overthinking this. I have questions about the timeline now. I I actually have a, a really strong working theory, because I, I had similar questions. I had a strong working theory while I was watching this episode about when this takes place. <laughs> from the Daleks' perspective. <laughs> okay, okay. There is one post-view note. This episode does sh- does have the introduction of the Agrons, their first opinion appearance. I don't think they make a lot of appearances, but like for a couple of stories, they're kind of like the Daleks' grunts, I guess. Okay. They 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 come up again a couple times, but I think they like test the waters with the Agrons a couple times, and it just doesn't stick. So they just kind of drop them quietly. <laughs> yeah. They made me feel weird. Yeah, we'll get to them. (laughs) But yeah. All right. I'm going to read this first episode description. Episode one. We open on a man, Reginald Stiles, working at his desk. When he stands to close the window, a man appears aiming a strange gun at him. But before he can pull the trigger, the man disappears in a ball of light. Unit and the doctor are called in, but the man denies anything happened. The would-be assassin is found unconscious in a field along with a strange device. As the doctor fidgets with it, it's detected in the far future by a mysterious group of people. It's revealed that the Daleks are commanding them. The man also disappears from his ambulance as the doctor fiddles with it. The doctor realizes that it is some sort of rudimentary time travel device. Joe and the doctor resolve to stay the night at Stiles' estate to see if anyone else appears. Three more people do appear through a time portal and sneak into the estate. The doctor plays with the device once more, and the people from the future get a better grip on their position. The Daleks declare anyone with the device is an enemy of the Daleks and must be exterminated. And I'm going to take that moment to make the comment of... (laughs) At first I was like, ah, it's nice to have the Daleks back. And then I hear their speak, I was like, ah, the Daleks speak. I'm getting nostalgic about it. And then they all chanted exterminate at the end. I was like, oh yeah, they're really fucking annoying. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so uh, go ahead and address the thing that I brought up to you before um, before we started. The, the warning I gave, which is apparently the uh, special effects were so bad. And the actors who played the Daleks were also so bad that when uh, Two Entertained, the company that made most of the DVDs, made this one, they kind of redid almost all of the special effects and a lot of the sound effects. And they had the current actor who plays the Daleks, Nicholas Briggs redub the Daleks. And so throughout a lot of this story, it's not that the special effects are bad. It's just that they're from a clearly very different time it's like some mid to late 2000 cgi it's it's weird it it, it's a very big juxtaposition with the the 70s look it's got big um the star wars digital remasters vibes yes very much so uh where there's things that are happening i'm like that's not right that's not how that's not how that was back then yeah yeah so i think they actually did more harm than good with that with that redo i actually after i watched the episode i did go on youtube and watch the comparison oh yeah video and um despite how odd they are 
I personally like the special effects more. The new special effects or the old special the new, effects? The new special effects. Okay. Because, like, the old special effects are just, like, so, like, you know, the people got shot with the little gun and they fucking explode. Uh-huh. The screen just goes white and it comes back and they're gone. Uh, and that's it. Okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. So, like, even by Doctor Who standards, it seemed kind of lazy. Yeah. So, at least I get a little laser thing. It looks bad. It looks like a fucking, like, high school student edited it. But... <laughs> yeah. But you know what? I'll take what I can get. Well, I, I will take your word for it that it was that it was better. We open, and um, after the assassination, the Doctor and Joe are working on the TARDIS console. Where, well, the Doctor's working on the TARDIS console. Joe's also there. And I was wondering, I was like, why did they take the TARDIS console out of the TARDIS again? I'm a little, I was a little confused. And then I was like, maybe the, cause the last time we saw them working on it, that's when the time Lords transported them in colony in space. So maybe they were worried that Tom, the time Lords would take them away again. This way they'd be able to work on the TARDIS without fear. And then I was like, hey, that's a pretty good explanation. Way to go, me. Thanks, me. <laughs> Thanks, me. I did the writer's jobs for them. That happens a couple times where I'm like, hey, I just came up with this new headcanon that justifies this really stupid decision. I'm pretty proud of myself. <laughs> and also ashamed of the writers. <laughs> this has happened a couple of times. Not every episode of the podcast. <laughs> I really thought, so there's a moment where they're working here on the TARDIS and Joe is saying something about ghosts and he's, and the doctor's like, ghosts aren't real, Joe, chill out. And he fiddles at the bottom or like he's fiddling something underneath the TARDIS console and then him and Joe appear in the doorway and the doctor's like, oh, that's what I did. And Joe's very confused. I like the kind of whimsical working on the TARDIS moments. I thought this was going to come up again and it didn't. Well, you know. I'll go ahead and give you this piece of trivia again. It was supposed to. There was supposed to be a scene where in the fourth episode, the Doctor and Joe materialized into their past and they kind of closed the loop. But it was cut. So now it's just like, I... Were those actually ghosts? I don't know. (laughs) I, I, I guess there are time ghosts. Like, if you do things wrong... You can only touch the same moment in time once or something. Yeah. Except we've been to 1964 London a lot. So, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, it was very weird. It was like, it, w- it was a cute moment. Like, oh, there's two of us for a second. It's like, don't worry. In a second, it'll beep. And then, <laughs> then he disappeared. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that does not come back up. We'll do the writer's work for them again. <laughs> And then the brigadier comes in and says, tells the doctor that he needs his help. And the doctor's like, piss off, I'm working. And he's like, piss off, I'm doing my actual job, not my job job. The brigadier says that if these uh, if these peace talks don't go well, it might launch the Earth into World War Three. And I really, really, really wanted the doctor to go oh no 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 no! world war three doesn't happen for quite some time <laughs> <laughs> please brigadier you think this is 2125 <laughs> please you think this is the year of our lord 2024 looks into the camera <laughs> anyway <laughs> dramatic zoom i i actually like the doctor or i like the brigadier's conversation uh when command or whatever calls him and they're like 
the consular styles uh says an assassin came in last night uh go check it out and <laughs> he's like i've got just the man no he'll be thrilled to work on it <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 it'll be funny. Uh, I don't like the Brigadier overall as a character. I do really love his smug attitude towards the Doctor. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His just his absolutely just, oh, this will annoy the Doctor. Let's do this. Yeah, I do appreciate that. This episode's, I don't know. I don't want to say that pacing is weird in this story, but it is a little bit. Because I feel like it's kind of herky-jerky. Like, at one point, wow, a bunch of stuff is happening all at once. And then there's a very long conversation. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you. And ever since I've really started seriously considered, hey, you know, editing Doctor Who episodes down to 45 minutes might actually be a lot of fun. Like ever since that thought really entered my head, I've just started noticing more and more like oh, I could cut that scene. Uh, I, f- I feel like we can combine these scenes. Oh, uh, well, <laughs> I'm noticing more parts that are just like, we, we don't need this. Especially, I think it was in episode three, there's a moment where I'm like, we could have cut this entire several minute long scene and changed nothing. But eventually they they do go to uh, Styles' house, and Reginald Styles is clearly a dick and stubborn, but he was willing to allow Unit to search the grounds and to search the house, and I'm like, okay, well, that gives me a little hope that he's not going to be, like, the stubborn leader character. And I was right, because he's barely in the story. <laughs> yeah, he's not the stubborn leader character in the sense of he's not really there at all. <laughs> yeah, he's there a little bit at the beginning, and then a little bit at the end, and that's about it. And God, he's such a fucking dick at the end. We'll get to that. But... <laughs> yeah, the Doctor and Joe agree to stay over and in Styles' house. Uh, in order to look out for the ghosts and <laughs> the doctor just fucking raids this dude's kitchen and just comes in with a tray of cheeses and wines and breads and i'm like oh man i could go for some cheese and wine that sounds great oh sorry am i supposed to be paying attention to the episode <laughs> sorry <laughs> i'm also going to point out again this show is very inconsistent about whether or not the doctor drinks and it really annoys me because I could have sworn, like, two episodes ago, he turned down drinks. <laughs> or maybe, Okay, I know the second Doctor didn't drink. He said it multiple times, except that one time he did. Second Doctor doesn't drink, first Doctor doesn't drink, but the third Doctor's a man of class, you a know? class. Look at my magician's outfit. He'll, he'll take some wine. He'll take a nice whiskey, you know? On the note of this one, he said something. I don't know how I felt about it. I feel like I'm annoyed by it. Because he kept making, like, weird time references while he was drinking the wine. He he was talking like a typical wino. He was just picking out adjectives to describe this wine. And I'm like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. And you fucking know it. I don't remember specifically what it is he said. But it was just the absolute kind of nonsense that's pulled directly out of the ass of every single wine connoisseur. Hmm, yes, this... This wine tastes rather burgundy. Yes, yes. I'd say <laughs> I'd say it has quite the sense of humor. What does that mean? What do you mean when a wine says it has a humor? Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> this is a wine po- this is an anti-wino podcast now. Look, I love wine as much as the next guy, but shut the fuck up. <laughs> Can't stand wine. I love wine. I love Can't. red wine. I don't like white wine. I wonder what the doctor's opinion is on vodka, though. 
who cares? Anyway, so I'm really a big <laughs> fan of margarita. <laughs> yes, I recognized that we were going wildly off topic, but I didn't care. There, not a whole lot happens in this episode. The Doctor Strange has it set up like this is going to be like a Scooby-Doo episode. Like, oh, let's go stay in a haunted house. And then at no point does it ever have horror vibes. Right. There was a moment. I kind of, I've decided that I love Yates. I think I think I love Yates because Benton was doing his rounds and uh, ran into Joe. He was like, hey, you wouldn't happen to have any food. I'm I'm starving. And she's like, oh, yeah, hold on a second. And she goes back into the study and like makes herself a little plate and then brings it back out. And Benton begins to eat, but then Yates comes in and tells him that uh, he's not done with his rounds and he needs to leave. And Benton's like, burr, 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 and leaves. And then Yates eats the food that was meant for Benton. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot tell yet Yates and Benton apart. Every time one of them comes on the screen, I have to wait for someone to say their name and be like, okay, that one's Yates. Okay, that's Benton. Either a sergeant or a captain. I don't know. And then... The doctor name drops again. He mentions that uh, he was talking about uh, a conversation he once had with uh, with with uh, Napoleon. He said, "Bony," I said. I was like, "I love that he calls Napoleon <laughs> Bony." <laughs> <laughs> and then to just prove how much of a of a classy motherfucker he is, the house is attacked by these soldiers, and um, the soldier like attacks him. And the doctor just, like, casually karate chops him and then just, like, (laughs) sips from his wine and walks over to the table and puts his wine glass down. And that gives – and that's enough time for the soldier to, like, come back up and attack him again. And then he – and then he, like, punches him again. I'm like, that's such – that's so fucking classy and I love it. It's so (laughs) cool. (laughs) God, the the doctor's just so cool now. (laughs) This one is (laughs) – He's classy, he's got a fancy coat, and he beats the shit out of people. <laughs> and later in this later in this story, uh, just commits wanton murder. <laughs> I mean, you know, like you do. After complaining about being nonviolent. <laughs> Earlier in the story before, and later in this story. <laughs> Look, he's nonviolent. Except when he's not. <laughs> it's a very important distinction. Oh, by the way, the Daleks are in this episode. I'm not sure if we've brought them up yet. <laughs> I mean, they're, they've kind of barely been in the episode. If I love how Doctor Who keeps trying to make the fact that the Daleks are there to be like a plot twist in episodes called like Day of the Daleks. <laughs> <laughs> Just lead with it. Like we see the, the lead villain guy being evil and stuff and then uh he goes into the next room and there's a dalek there and it's just like bottom like yeah i know doctor who i know the daleks are here thank you i figured that much out from the title screen but i was just like oh hey buddies gosh it's good to hear you yelling about exterminating people again <laughs> oh god it's so terrible <laughs> they did a good job like i don't know what I know I've seen an episode with a Dalek now uh, from New Who, but I don't remember their voices being quite so, like, poorly engineered. So I, I feel like they did a good job, like, making the new guy's voice sound old. Yeah. Or have that same kind of quality as the rest of the audio. Mm-hmm. Boy, howdy, hearing four Daleks chant exterminate again, though. 
nostalgic and obnoxious. It, yeah, it's obnoxious. It's not as obnoxious as it was at the end of Power of the Daleks, though, when oh they just like had God. that huge like um uh what's the what's the word I'm looking for like conveyor belt conveyor belt like they just had a whole bunch of newly created Daleks just wall to wall in this room all shouting about how they're gonna annihilate everyone that that was obnoxious. No, I agree. That was peak annoying Daleks. <laughs> but any any more than two of them doing it is is annoying. That's true. I'll give you that. Uh, as you can tell, I have nothing else to say. About yeah. This well, episode. our our uh, several minute long rant about various alcohols. Yeah, uh, we're we're done. <laughs> episode two. The gorillas bust in and stop the doctor from messing with a the device. They mistake him for Styles and restrain him and Joe. The Doctor recognizes their guns as from the 22nd century, but he can't understand why they would come back to kill Stiles. Joe manages to escape and gets her hands on the transmitter, but when she activates it, she disappears. When the Doctor asks what happened to her, the gorillas say she was likely thrown into the far future. Joe awakens surrounded by Ogrins, simple-minded aliens under the command of the Controller. The man tries to gently squeeze Joe for information, and she tells him when and where she came from. With this information, the Controller and the Daleks plot an ambush. The Ogrins appear at the estate and a shootout occurs. As he flees the estate, a Dalek emerges from a tunnel and stops him. As he, the Doctor, escapes. This episode starts with like two minutes to finish up with the recap of last episode's cliffhanger. It just feels a little excessive to me. Yeah, yeah. More so, because like I... There's already like 30 seconds of like recapping the episode anyway. Mm Mm-hmm. And that feels too long. Yeah, but it felt like in this story in particular, they kind of had more than usual. I feel like they were just kind of padding for time. Yeah, because I I don't remember exactly, but I'm pretty sure this episode starts with the gorillas entering the room and fighting the doctor. And then me thinking, didn't they already do that? Yeah. It's also like the, the leader of this gorilla unit is i forget what her name is but the point is it's a woman and I, I think it's weird how just a couple of stories ago the bbc didn't want a woman to be in charge of a military unit because it could send the wrong message to british families but now apparently it's perfectly fine well these aren't military people these are terrorists <laughs> these are resistance fighters i guess i guess since these are good guys and the other and in colony it was bad guys i don't know and obviously, if anyone's going to lead a terrorist unit, it's going to be emotional women. Are they terrorists? Th- I mean, I guess it's all a matter of perspective. I would call them more resistance fighters than terrorists, but... I don't know. I feel like their logic is very shaky. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that. We'll get to that probably in episode <laughs> four. But yeah, their logic is a little iffy. Because I thought that too. It was like, oh yeah, they're the good guys. They're fighting the dogs. And then they kind of explain their plan. It's like, that's stupid (laughs) the part that isn't morally reprehensible is really fucking dumb (laughs) (laughs) but uh they end up capturing the doctor and joe and tie them up and put them in the in the basement and the doctor manages to get his gag off and joe is like trying to talk to him but like through a gag And the doctor's like, I have a good mind to uh, have you stay like that. So much more peaceful. And I'm like, shut the fuck up, doctor. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I think the one thing that I don't like about third doctor is kind of how he treats his his female companions. I think it's my one hang up about him. (laughs) 
Is it just the female companions, though? I feel like he's, like, smug and condescending to everyone. He's smug and condescending to everyone, but it feels like he talks down to Joe and Liz. Maybe that's just me, but... Well, I definitely feel that way in the circumstance of, like, like when they want to go do stuff. And he's like, no, 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 this is a man's job. He does definitely do that. He does that a lot, yeah. Um, But the kind of, like, snarky remarks about, like, oh, you should stay gagged. Or, hey, Brigadier, literally shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. I, I agree. Like, it, it felt weird, uh, but there's obviously just sexist connotations to it, period. Yeah. But I don't know. I, li- I like the Dr. Vina dick to everyone. I mean, yeah, yeah. He's When he's equal opportunity dick, he's fine. It's just that there are some moments when he's being a dick to female characters in particular that make me go a little... Ugh. Yeah, I can see that. We haven't commented on it yet, but I love Joe's outfit in this episode. I wasn't... A, it's, like a, it's like a denim dress, right? Yeah, it's like a denim dress with white go-go boots, and she's got, like, a fucking ascot. I don't know. It was pretty trendy. I'd wear a denim dress. It was, it was cute. I think I've liked Liz's outfits more than I've liked Joe's. <laughs> yeah. Um. This is, all, this is also the second time we've seen Joe rocking the white go-go boots. Yeah. Maybe uh, Caroline John and Katie Manning both had, like, similar shoe sizes, so they were like, oh, fuck, let's... We can use so many of her costumes <laughs> on joe <laughs> and by not buying another pair of shoes we can put another explosion in <laughs> on on the note of the rebels though i don't know maybe they're maybe they're trying to act like because they're from a different time or whatever i don't know it feels like the actors thought that the show has a lot more of a, of a melodramatic tone than it actually has has well it usually has it just felt like they were much more um, uh, William Shatner than any, <laughs> than anything else in a lot of their line deliveries. Yeah, they were um, they were something intense. We, we didn't comment on this, but uh, in the last episode when the gorillas come out like the tunnel or like out from like time or whatever, there's two unit guys walking by, and the guy just points a gun and just offs them immediately, <laughs> no questions asked. No questions asked. I kind of figured like the the commander would be like, "What the fuck do you think you're doing?" But she didn't say anything. So, you know, whatever. But goddamn, the unit, the unit meat grinder, man. <laughs> These poor grunts <laughs> just getting offed by the dozens. Forget, like, they send all of the incompetent soldiers to unit. They send all of the soldiers to unit that only have two weeks left until retirement. <laughs> that's that's who they send the unit. <laughs> They're like, oh, you want to collect your pension? Okay, you gotta round it out with unit. Fuck. <laughs> Sir, is there a reason we're wearing all these red shirts underneath our uniforms? Don't worry about it. So the the doctor and Joe are down in the basement, and the unit soldiers that matter have been looking for looking for them, and they apparently looked everywhere and they can't find him. And I just love the moment. It feels like we checked everywhere, sir. We checked around the house. We checked the hallway. We checked the one room. We checked the hallway again. There's just no sign of them. (laughs) (laughs) I did that thing where I peeked around the corner. I kind of did a double take. I didn't see them. (laughs) I have some more notes, but like they don't feel relevant. (laughs) Because not really a whole lot happens in this episode. Once Joe gets sucked into the future, she spends a long time talking to the controller. (laughs) Yeah. She gets flung forward into the future. And then... The first person she talks to, Joe, solid rule of thumb. 
Don't trust anyone who's wearing black shoes, black pants, long-sleeved, button-up, turtleneck, black shirt. All he's missing is a monocle and a scar. Like, be a little genre savvy. It's all I'm asking. <laughs> and Joe, don't give information to someone called the controller. <laughs> and definitely don't give all this information to a dude who just did the swivel chair thing when you entered the room. Just saying. <laughs> is this a good time to talk about the Agrons, though? Sure, let's talk about the Agrons. I don't know if I was hearing it wrong, but... Well, for one, it's it's instantly a little cringe, because like it's taller dudes that appear to be wearing something akin to blackface. They were clearly going for like a humanoid gorilla thing. That's obviously what they were trying for. It didn't really come across yeah. like that. <laughs> Not really. Not really. And then they called them gorillas a bunch of times. I was like, stop. <laughs> Just Did they call the Augurons gorillas or they were referring to the gorilla soldiers? Like the U-E-R. And that's why I thought I was getting confused for a second. Because they referred to like the gorilla fighters as gorillas. But I swear at one point Joe said they look like gorillas. And then, and then kept saying it. She might have. But I feel like most of the time they were talking about gorillas. They were doing G-U-E-R. Yeah. I'm I'm choosing to believe that's what they were saying. I, I swear, I swear. One time, Joe said they looked like gorillas because I because I heard it. I was like, Ugh. she she might have, she might have. And the fact that they're like a dumb brutish slave race, I'm like, mm, boy howdy, who <laughs> buddy? Uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was intentionally racist. I I don't think it was intentionally racist. I think it was just really not thought out i think that's yeah. all it was i'm giving them the benefit of the doubt <laughs> yeah I, I i am too but also less than a season ago we did see a black man in a loincloth at a circus <laughs> i'm not saying he does that the show doesn't have its moments it definitely does <laughs> Ooh. okay anyways that's my two cents on that so and then uh what's your two cents on the fact that the doctor just uh, speaking of the augurans just like turns the corner and just bam bam kills two yeah, of them. I know so like the dogs and the dogs send the Agrons to attack the estate and the girls are like we gotta get out of here and the doctor's like alright straight up just like fucking out here James Bond like one hand aiming pow 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 <laughs> I was like doctor when did you get so cool and also I thought you didn't do this <laughs> and then the brigadier rolls up on his um in his jeep the doctor's like sorry brigadier there's no time and he, like, jumps into the Jeep and drives off. And uh, the Brigadier just, like, puts his hands on his hips and says, Doctor, come back at once! And then it just, like, does a close-up on him. And he just, like, has this shaking head with a s slight smirk. He's like, oh, that doctor. Explaining nothing about this alien invasion and stealing thousands of dollars worth of military equipment. What a rapscallion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's definitely the one. Uh, I don't like the Brigadier. He confuses me. You know what he kind of reminds me of? And I don't remember any characters' names other than House. Uh, he reminds me of the director of the hospital that House works at. Okay. Where it's just like, regardless of the kind of shit that House slash the doctor pulls, they always seem to kind of bend over backwards to accommodate them. Because it really, fe it really feels like the Brigadier is willing to drop any sort of 
military operation that he's in the middle of if it means either rescuing or supporting the doctor. I've noticed that a couple of times when it's like, oh, the the doctor's in trouble? Well, let's let's rally the troops kind of thing, even if he's in the middle of peace talks or whatever. We've had like three different peace conferences. I'm assuming at some point he's probably done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, basically every time, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, his characterization and just the way he kind of does things varies from story to story so yeah and the the only the only consistent thing about him is he does things to actively annoy the doctor (laughs) yes i still choose to believe that he hired joe specifically because he knew that it would annoy the doctor (laughs) so yeah so anyways the doctor goes a blasting and then a dalek comes out of the tunnel and i guess we're supposed to be surprised like they haven't done this exact twist in episode two of dog stories almost every single time (laughs) (laughs) yeah and on that note, I'm ready for episode three. Episode three, baby! The gorillas and Doctor escape the Dalek by jumping into the future. The Doctor sneaks away to find Joe, and the Daleks are irate that the Controller lost the Doctor and emphasize that he must be eliminated because he is a threat to the Daleks. The Doctor is captured at last and tortured by the Controller's men. When it's clear he won't cave, the Controller comes in and apologizes for his treatment. The manager informs the gorillas and doesn't trust the Doctor. Joe and the Doctor pull a sick man routine, but they are quite they are quickly caught again. The Doctor is strapped into a chair, and the Daleks confirm that he is indeed their old enemy. I know it's the Daleks' war cry and everything, but uh, have they ever considered shooting first and then shouting exterminate, <laughs> or even at the same time? And Do it yeah, at the same you time. know, you, you can you can you can shoot and shout. That's that's fine. Because he's, like, shouting exterminate a couple of times when he enters the tunnel and sees the doctor. And then the doctor starts running, and then the Daleks start shooting. It just... It feels like we could be more efficient in murder. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. For a race that murders a bunch of people, you take a long time to do it. I've said this before, I'm sure. And I'm sure I'll say it again. For a race that is ruthless killing machines that take no prisoners they sure do take a shit ton of prisoners (laughs) (laughs) i really believe they have like a joker batman routine going on (laughs) i'm I'm sure it's not just this story but in multiple batman stories but um in death of the family there's a point where it's clear that the joker doesn't want to know who batman really is because Mm -hmm. then that that ruins everything yes I feel like the Daleks have a very similar relationship with the Doctor, where they're like, well, if we kill him, then what are we going to do? Yeah, like, well, it won't be fun if we kill the Doctor. I think the controller was talking to the Daleks about Joe, if I remember correctly. But the controller um, says something about how I think he can, like, convince Joe onto their side to be sympathetic. And, uh... The Daleks say, no, humans are untrustworthy and unreliable. We should kill her. And the controller is like, not all humans are as you say. And I was just like, hashtag not all humans. <laughs> okay, so I think now is probably a good time to uh, talk about my my theory of when this episode takes place. Ah, uh, yes, because now, now, now it's clear that there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Immediately after Dalek Invasion. That's my theory. 
Immediately after? Yes. So, what happens is, First Doctor does everything about the Dalek invasion. The Daleks are then, not all, maybe not all of them were destroyed by the Metalheads, but they did recognize that the Metalheads are a problem. So they got rid of that, and the only time they actually, they have very few humans they actually rely on, like the controller and stuff. Any other humans they use are like slaves or factory workers. And so I think what they did was they were overthrown in Dalek invasion, regrouped, and then attacked Earth almost immediately because they say that they were thrown they were thrown 200 years into the future. And if that's the case, this should be the timelines match up. This should be almost exactly around Dalek invasion. Okay. I think the complete lack of metalheads is what convinces me that it happens after. Yeah, and this is where I just start, kind of started to struggle because the, the whole time this episode was happening, I was like, what's going to happen to Susan? What happens when the doctor beats the Daleks and stops this future from happening and Susan doesn't meet her boyfriend or whatever? <laughs> well, as, as we'll uh, find out in episode four... A lot of people are really counting on uh, there not being a multiverse. <laughs> Crossing <laughs> yeah. fingers. <laughs> We're really hoping we don't just split time apart twice. <laughs> but yes, that 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 is my theory. Because if you'll recall, the only reason I remember this specific tidbit is because in a first Doctor tribute video, he says this line. And so I, it, I watched the video several times. So it just sticks out in my mind. In Dalek Invasion of Earth, he sees a calendar that says 2164. But it might have been a couple of years later. And now it's 1972. And he was uh, flown 200 years in the future, making it around 2172. So t- timelines line up. Timelines up. Yeah, slightly post-Invasion of Earth. Yeah. That's my theory. I have no idea how much how accurate it is. Quite frankly, I don't care. We've been doing headcanons this entire goddamn podcast and improving <laughs> the show as a result. So, I'm taking it. <laughs> so, in my headcanon, Susan stays behind with her boyfriend, Guy, and a few years later is massacred by Daleks. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> okay. I'll take that headcanon. Like, I know for a fact, canonically, she has several kids and that doesn't happen. I don't care. That's in side story stuff. I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> if it's not if it's not on film, baby, it didn't happen. Although, I'm not sure if I mentioned this, but I will mention it now. One thing I did learn that's absolutely fucking hilarious uh, is that Susan does end up having a couple of kids with David. And one of her sons is a huge anti-alien radicalist. Not knowing that he's half time. <laughs> Dang right. Well, there it is. It's just, it's just funny. The drama. Who the fuck? And the, when they're like, we're going to make expanded universe stuff. And who the fuck suggested, let's do side stories about Susan? Not to give too much away, but um, there's a lot of wiggle room, a lot of openness with the eighth doctor. So the eighth doctor has the most side story stuffs. And I think that was like, I think one of the stories was, Hey, you know what? I always, you know what I said I would do several hundred years ago and still haven't done visit my granddaughter. (laughs) 
and Andy shows up and she's like, who the fuck are you? Well, I mean, they're Time Lords, so I'm pretty sure he was like, I'm your grandfather. And she was like, oh, bitchin'. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's also a side story which the 13th Doctor meets Susan and she's just like, I'm your grandmother. And she's like, bitchin'. <laughs> <laughs> so is regeneration something all Time Lords do or just selective Time Lords? Because I was under the impression that when the Doctor regenerated from the first Doctor to the second Doctor, that that was the first time that that happened. That was the first time that it happened for the Doctor. Okay. I'm not sure I remember it correctly, and I guess it, I guess it's spoilers, but I'm it's more conjecture than anything else. There's a difference between Time Lords and the people from the Doctor's planet. Okay. The Time Lords can regenerate. The ones who live below the Time Lords in their, you know, gross little slum things, they don't... They they don't deserve regeneration. <laughs> okay. So, so the Time Lords are assholes. Time Lords are assholes. No matter what, Time Lords are assholes. <laughs> anyway, that w- we so got fucking off track. Where the fuck were we? Wow, we have so much to say about this episode. <laughs> there's not a whole lot to say about this one. I hate to say it, but there isn't. There really isn't. Part of it is like there's like a surprising amount of action sequences. A lot of, there is a lot of shooting. Um, not in this episode. There's a lot of talking. There's also like a lot of stuff that you can theorize and conjecture about in terms of this episode. None of it is brought up in the episode itself. But, you know, there's a lot to unpack. Yeah. So wait, is it established that Susan is a Time Lord or from that planet? I believe she's a Time Lord. I don't know. Again, I'm not entirely clear on that. I might be entirely wrong. All right, Whovians, do your job. Scold me and Mac in the comments. From what I vaguely remember... I feel like that's something that's going to be addressed later, but I'm not, I'm not sure. And I might, I might be talking out of my ass and remembering something that didn't actually exist. I don't know. Uh, right now I'm working on the assumption that Susan's a time Lord. You're supposed to be the veteran here, Max. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I watched all this shit in high school. That was over a decade ago. <laughs> Weak. You don't remember everything you did in high school perfectly? God, no. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I can't tell you a fucking thing I did in high school, but you better fucking believe I remember the lyrics to every single song I listened to in high school. <laughs> every single one. I'm not even exaggerating. I believe. I definitely remember all the lyrics to all the Linkin Park songs. I'll say that. Okay, so the doctor is captured and is interrogated by the security guard. And I feel like they they grabbed the least intimidating man off the streets they could find. Because he... He's just got, he's got this nasally voice. And he's like, are you willing to cooperate now? And it's, just, it's just like, am I supposed to find you scary? Because you're not. He had like New Zealand energy. Yeah, he had, he had strong New Zealand energy. <laughs> Go on, tell me. Are you a terrorist? <laughs> he, he would not be out of place in Flight of the Concords. And then the doctor keeps, like, pointing out all these, like, clearly evil shit that's happening around him. And Joe's like, but the controller's been nothing but nice to me the entire time I've been here. And the doctor's like, look, Joe, I'm going to need you to start asking, are we the baddies sooner rather than later if we're going to do anything? <laughs> Was he wearing all black? Yeah. Do I need to go any further? I'm sorry. Do you remember the master? <laughs> 
You're lucky this guy doesn't have a goatee. If he had a goatee, we'd be fucked. <laughs> Surprise, if you stay through the credits of the fourth episode, you see the controller again, and he pulls off his mask, and it's the master. <laughs> and then they almost do the sick man routine. They do a very lazy sick man routine. It's literally just the doctor stands off to the side, and then Joe just screams. Yeah, straight up, I needed, like, a, a warning on screen for that. Because she does. She just walks over to the camera and just lets it out. Yeah. Totally unexpected. Yeah, and I'm I'm willing to give that one, like, a pass. Because she was clearly doing it on purpose rather than... Ah. But <laughs> she, was, she wasn't Susaning it. Yeah, I, I really didn't need, like, a flashing thing on screen going, loud noise incoming. But then the, the uh, doctor does some karate on the agron and it doesn't work and then joe smashes a wine bottle over the agron's head and the doctor says pity that was rather a good vintage she's like what he's like never mind let's go <laughs> also joe seemed to have been like very much pro controller and then we cut over to the daleks like looking at a screen like we're pretty sure that's the doctor he's changed his face before that might be the same man and then it cuts back and then joe's like all in on helping the doctor fight against the controller. I'm not saying she couldn't be convinced. I'm saying it's kind of cheap that she was convinced off screen. Yeah. Because like, she hasn't really seen anything to imply that the controller or even the Daleks at this point are bad. She hasn't even, she hasn't even seen the Daleks. Yeah. She's only seen the controller. And again, like if she had an ounce of genre awareness, she would know that this dude's evil. But from her perspective, He's been nothing but kind. And also, outside of, like, our audience knowledge that the Daleks are bad and anytime they're in charge, it's bad, they really have no reason to think the gorillas are justified. We kind of vaguely hear that things are bad, but we don't really see anything terrible happen. That's true. Uh, that's why I was pretty comfortable just referring to the gorillas as terrorists, because I haven't really seen what they're fighting against, other than the added-in terrible CGI future <laughs> cityscape. <laughs> yeah. The fucking uh, PS1 FMV cutscenes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, we did see the um, the factory where people were, like, dressed in rags and carrying around buckets. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, like, how is that different than Amazon? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's basically just Amazon. I mean, let's be perfectly <laughs> honest. The Daleks are just Jeff Bezos and less subtle. <laughs> <laughs> and then the Doctor and Joe get on this stupid fucking trike <laughs> and, then, and then zoom off. And this is the scene that I was definitely like, okay, I'm cutting this one when I make the abridged version. Like, they escape. And then they drive off. And then they're caught. And then he's brought back. Yep. Cut that whole bit. We could have cut that entire bit and just had him immediately go to the brain analysis table. Which, that happens a lot. That happens in, I'm gonna say, almost every story with the third Doctor. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many times I've written this phrase, the Doctor escaped and then was caught again. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, they, they have, like, this, uh, this band on his head that, like, shows his memories and... Uh, it shows footage of the second doctor and then it shows footage of the first doctor. And I know this is so dumb. No one else is thinking this other than me. But why is the footage in black and white? <laughs> I thought that too. <laughs> okay. Like, you could color a little bit. Like even if you made it like blue or something. Yeah, like even, I don't know. 
pulling from the actors in separate things. I don't know. Something. It shouldn't be black and white, is all I'm saying. I actually would have loved it if they pulled from the actors in other colorized TV shows, therefore yeah. making those shows Doctor Who canon spin-off. Yeah, like, I would have been okay with that. Sorry, but 1960s Bridgerton is Doctor Who canon. <laughs> okay, but even if even if the original broadcast was black and white, they've done some really good, like, recolorization things in modern days. This version we're watching with all the updated special effects and shit should have colored that. Okay, yeah, I totally agree with that. That so, is definitely true. You can put all this, like, bullshit, like, bullets hitting the dirt and lasers and people exploding, and you can't colorize footage even a little bit. To make the weird time tunnel thing that Joe falls through, the stupid-ass post-apocalypse, stupid CGI <laughs> thing, but you can't color a few images? Come on. I have nothing else to say about that, That's it. I, it's been a while since we've had an episode that we've gone on as many tangents as this one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, episode four. After a long and painful interrogation, the doctor argues with the controller. The man tries to reason with him, explain he sided with the Daleks to save humanity from total annihilation. He says no one can defeat the Daleks, but the doctor disagrees. The gorillas come in and rescue him, but the doctor stops them from killing the controller, explaining that the real enemy is the Daleks. The gorillas explain that Styles intends on using a peace conference to kill the other world leaders, securing power for himself. However, he also dies in that explosion, plunging the world into war. That war destabilizes everything enough for the Daleks to come in and dominate the Earth. So obviously, the only way to save the Earth is to assassinate Styles instead of just giving him a flat tire or something. The Daleks want to stop the gorillas so they continue dominating the planet. They all head to the past to defend Styles and the other leaders. A big epic shootout happens, and a gorilla stays behind to sacrifice himself in an explosion that kills the Daleks and Dahlgrens. The Doctor tells Styles to do the peace conference right, and the episode just kind of ends. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> I have a lot to say about the uh, Resistance plan, but before we get to that, <laughs> the Controller convinces the Daleks to not kill the Doctor, because like he'll be able to get more information out of them. And if they use the mind analysis machine too much, like his resistance will be so strong that eventually the mind analysis machine will kill him. And they seem very concerned with what the gorillas know. Like they need the they need the doctor's information to figure out what the gorillas are up to. And I'm like, okay, but the gorillas have yet to actually thwart you at all. The Doctor has thwarted you about half a dozen times. I'd say he's the bigger threat. Use the mind analysis machine to get as much information as you can, and if it kills him, it kills him. Honestly, it's still a win. Yeah, like, it's a win-win. The Resistance fighters will not defeat you. I can, I can reassure you of that right now. <laughs> the Doctor might. The Doctor might. And probably will. <laughs> I don't want to be the bearer of mad news. This is a four-part episode, and we're on episode four right now. So, like, it's coming down <laughs> to the wire. <laughs> yeah, listen, we gotta get this shit figured out, man. <laughs> I think the Daleks are talking to the Doctor, and uh, they say, We have invaded Earth again! And I'm like, But why, though? Because last time you did it, you did it so you could get a 
pimped out ride. Now it's because spite, I guess. <laughs> You're just mad about it. And also the fact that they say they've invaded Earth again. Just Oh yes, implies this isn't yeah. okay. Yeah. Mac did more analysis than me. I was just <laughs> confused and refused to engage with the episode <laughs> in any other way. My mind wandered a lot while I was watching this story. There wasn't a whole lot to engage me. And the doctor and the controller are like debating as to whether the controller is right to be siding with the Daleks or not. And the controller is basically like, I mean, the Daleks are going to Dalek no matter what. At least if I'm in charge, I can at least somewhat make it bearable for humanity. I can try my best. The Daleks would just fucking slaughter everyone. And I don't like the Daleks, but siding with them is a much better plan than fighting them. And I'm like, I'm not sure I agree with the controller, but I understand his mentality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was right there with you. And I thought that was interesting was kind of having this contrast. And the doctor having like a very weird message of like, uh, it'd be better to just take up arms and go down fighting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, which seems very undoctory. I feel like the doctor is much more like, yeah, do what you gotta do to survive and win another day. And then the gorillas come and rescue him, and like the the leader is like about to shoot the controller, and the doctor tells him to stop. And he's like, you have no idea how much blood is on this man's hands. And the doctor says, if it wasn't him, it would have been someone else. He's not your enemy. And I'm like, that's surprisingly nuanced. <laughs> This doctor. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Surprisingly nuanced for a man who just wantonly murdered a bunch of aliens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but these guys are humans. That's different. <laughs> and uh, because they're in the far-flung future, the brigadier is trying to find where the doctor and Joe went. And the, uh, the brigadier says, even the doctor can't vanish into thin air. And I'm like, I mean... He kind of does that on a regular basis, but go off, I guess. Yeah, he said that. I was like, Brigadier, you literally watch him do that. <laughs> you literally watched him disappear into thin air once. What do you mean he doesn't do that? And, okay, okay, let's, let's fucking talk about it. Okay, so, according to their history books, Styles brought together this peace talk of all the world's leaders and then set off a bomb... And the trigger went wrong, and he ended up killing himself along with all the other world leaders. They're working under that assumption. So their plan is to go to Styles' house, where they know that that meeting will be. And their plan is to plant a bomb so that they'll kill Styles. <laughs> and no one has managed to do this connect a dot. That only has two dots on the page. <laughs> and again, even if the plan did work how they wanted and they killed Styles before he had a chance to kill all the world leaders, they are working under some strong assumptions that there is no multiverse and that will change everything for them right now. Yep. And I'm just saying, thanks to Inferno, we know for a fact there's a multiverse. <laughs> <laughs> and the doctor says nothing. <laughs> yeah, do you have any do you have anything to add about that? Did I did I hit all the boxes? Well, besides the fact that like 
obviously like, uh, yeah, the, well, he died in an explosion, so we're gonna make an explosion before that explosion. Just the concept of like, if you think he, if this assassination thing is what sets off this World War Three, you could do literally anything else than killing him a couple of minutes before the meeting happens. You could do literally anything else. Flatten his tire at the airport and be like, make it like two hours later. Done. Problem solved. Fixed itself. To their credit, they did try to assassinate him a couple of times and it didn't work. But like, the closer that they get to the the peace conference, you'd think they would be less inclined to use the bomb plan. Just in case. But it doesn't even fucking occur to them. <laughs> uh, and, like, this is where, this is where like, the timey-wimey bullshit kind of makes, like, tension really hard in this show. Because, like, oh, man, like, we gotta get this done before this peace conference and everything goes wrong. And, like, so we gotta make sure we go back to that period of time to fix it. When, really, just, just go back further. Just go back further in time. Yeah. The ticking bomb storytelling trick doesn't really work when you do time travel yeah there's that i i've seen some theories of like if you go back to a certain time then you kind of like like that's kind of the time that you're stuck at and like if you five minutes passes back then five minutes passes at the same time where you're at and so like you can only then go back to the doctor said something and like it confused me I'm sure my explanation confused you because I I was confused by my own explanation. <laughs> it makes sense in my head when I'm like seeing like graphs and lines being drawn, <laughs> but I can't explain what I'm trying to say. <laughs> the doctor says something about like you can only touch a moment in time once or something like that, which again seems weird. I feel like we have actually seen him not do that multiple times. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's what the, you know, oh, that's what I did think. Maybe that was him learning how to touch multiple moments of time again. <laughs> Yeah. So, I don't know. It just seems confusing. Uh, just go further back in time. Yeah. But again, again, the whole point of why are they trying to do anything, like, literally right before the conference? Go back six months. Go back a year. I don't know. Kill him as a baby. <laughs> Fuck it. Well, I, I can kind of understand the timing of it, because they they established earlier on in the, st- in the story that... Um, the political landscape is reaching ahead and styles is kind of the only one keeping it in line. So like if styles wasn't there at all, countries would definitely be clashing. Uh, so like they needed him alive long enough to do that, but not so long that he would kill all of the leaders. I guess. I don't know. That, that's, that's, that's me. That's me stretching, but it's the only explanation I got. It just seems, it, it seems weird, like, when you're trying to avert a crisis that, like, you wait until, like, literally the crisis moment to avert it. I think crises don't just happen. Yeah. Randomly. Not, not to not to play the, the Hitler card too soon, but, like, it'd be like trying to kill Hitler at the peak of his power and not say when he was six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and, and then the, the controller kind of lets the doctor go. The Daleks find out about the controller's treachery and um, he's like, yeah, well, I may as well try something. <laughs> and uh, they they exterminate him and then they promote the super unintimidating <laughs> New Zealander guard <laughs> to be the new <laughs> controller. 
And I was like, oh, I'm sure this will end well. No idea whether it will or not, because we never see them again. <laughs> never again. <laughs> I'll stop these terrorists. <laughs> I'll stop these terrorists. And then, okay, we were we said we were going to talk about this later, because they're at the house now. <laughs> and Styles is just being so fucking indignant. And <laughs> like, like, literally, like, uh, so the dogs and Agrens, like, come to evade. They hear unit, like, shooting guns outside. And the brigadier's like, all right, it's time to leave. We gotta get out of here, Styles." And he's like, no. No, are you, we're about to have a meeting. We're just about to sit down for tea. Are you kidding me? <laughs> and then they basically, like, Benton, force him to leave if you have to. And Styles is like, oh, very well, but I'm doing it under protest. I'm like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> shut, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> it's the most British thing he could say, and it enraged me. <laughs> I was like, if you're agreeing to go along, you're not protesting. <laughs> and, like, the doctor had already talked down the the resistance fighter, like, to, to convince him to not blow up the house yet. I mean, I'm just like, just say there's a bomb. Tell, like, say to Styles, there's a bomb in the building. We need to evacuate. If he's still insisting on sticking around for tea at that point, maybe he should be assassinated. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe World War Three should happen. Yeah, and then they basically wait for the Daleks and Agrans to all come into the house to make sure that, that Styles dies. And then the Resistance fighter blows up the bomb and kills all the Daleks. And then the Doctor is just like, alright, so you're going to do the peace talks, right? Styles is like, yeah. And Doctor's just like, cool. And the credits rolled. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah. It, it, that sounds like a joke, but it really yeah, was. I'm barely exaggerating. <laughs> the Doctor's like, do the peace talks. And Styles is like, yes, well, we all know what will happen if I don't. And the Doctor's it, like, just nods at the camera. And then it just goes to the credits. It, it was more abrupt than the Ambassadors of Death. And <laughs> <laughs> it really was. <laughs> After seeing that, I think about the Ambassadors of Death ending, and I no longer complain about it. <laughs> it's now just a stone-cold, cool ending. <laughs> I'm just being like, all right, you guys figure the shit out. I'm done. God. Literally, like, right in the middle of a moment. So It was so weird. It was very weird. Shall I go on to trivia? Yeah, that's all I've got to say. Ten minutes of this episode is shooty-shooty-bang-bang stuff, so there's not really much to say about it. John Pertwee and Katie Manning both consider this their worst episode. <laughs> really? Yeah, this is their least favorite episode. I already went over the stuff about the DVDs. This is the very first Dalek story to have a home video release, for some reason. The original serial pitch didn't include the Daleks at all, but when Barry Letts decided to bring the Daleks back, he decided this story was a good one to just kind of, like, jam them into. <laughs> episode 4 originally had a scene where the Daleks told the Doctor that they had killed all of the Daleks that contained the human factor from evil. Uh, you know, all those freaky children things. Uh, and then they had turned their attention to conquering Earth via time travel. Again, I don't know why, but whatever. There's the scene that was cut with Doctor and Joe going back to their past selves. John Pertwee has never really cared for the Daleks and has never understood their popularity, mostly because they're just so expressionless. He's like, it's like, they're like big toasters. I'm not entirely sure why <laughs> why they're so popular. And like originally it felt like there was only like two or three Daleks. And so John Bertrand was like, what's even what's even the point of this? <laughs> yeah. 
So, final thoughts. Mid. I'm glad it was four episodes. Yes. Like I said, with Patreon-wise, it was really hard because, like, at some points I was like, hey, we're moving along. Stuff is happening. And then it would just stop and it would just drag forever. Mm -hmm. More than one dog talking at once is annoying. Uh, I did like the shootouts, though. I did like how kind of action-oriented it was. I don't really know what the doctor did to do anything. Other than, like, sort of, kind of delaying the gorilla from setting off the bomb at the wrong time to kill Styles. The doctor actually did not really contribute to the plot of the episode all that much. That's very true. Like, the Daleks, unlike the controller, were constantly trying to get the doctor because he's either a threat or he has information. Either way, we need him. And then the gorillas were like, we need to get the doctor because he's an enemy of the Daleks. He might be able to help us defeat him. So, like, both factions were kind of, like, playing tug of war with him. But he didn't actually do anything except for, like you said, delaying the bomb. So, yeah. So, I I got the end of that. I was like, wow, that was an episode where the doctor actually just kind of did nothing the whole time. (laughs) Except kill a couple guys. So, not the worst episode by far. But not... My favorite. No. My thesis still stands. This is the most mid-Dalek episode since the Daleks. It's nice seeing them again after so much time, but they were just kind of boring. Saying they felt shoehorned in the episode makes a lot of sense, because not even them were there that much. It was mostly their lackeys doing stuff. Yeah, very true. Yeah, I honestly have very little to say about it. I could describe this episode as like a shittier Dalek invasion of Earth. It seems like it kind of hits a lot of similar plot points. Like, in terms of, like, the resistance fighters and... Yeah. Replace the metalheads with Agrons and stuff like that. Eh, but it's obviously not on its caliber. Yeah, and it's also just another story where it just kind of stops <laughs> instead of ends. <laughs> I, again, I'm glad it's a four-parter. It could have been three. And I feel like I would keep saying that until we just get into one episode arcs. <laughs> if this had been a six-parter, it would have been actually painful. I think yeah. the fact that it's four-parter is why I'm being so kind to it. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Agreed. This is the 10th Third Doctor episode, so we now have... I, I at least I do, because I actually rank them as I go. You don't. So I now have a clearly defined top and bottom five. And so I can say confidently that Day of the Daleks is my fifth least favorite Third Doctor episode. I can't imagine it's going to stay on my bottom five (laughs) yeah i kind of hope it stays on my bottom five because that just means that all of the episodes are better after than this yeah i hope we get a real banger we need another enemy of the world episode i'm a little optimistic about the next one just i i heard like a tiny little snippet about what it's kind of about and i'm like that sounds cool i'm into that so we'll see for the record max says they're hopeful about Almost every episode. That is that is very true. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's it for this episode, guys. Thanks for listening. If you want to support us, the best thing you can do is give us five stars and tell your friends about us. You can listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, you know, all the major podcast things. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on Instagram, at Quick Trip Podcast. You can also check out Mac's channel, Mac the Ma, where they do insightful videos about video games. And join us next time on a quick trip through space and time, in which we once again see an old enemy, though in a different context, in The Curse of Peladon. Don't be the Cybermen. (laughs)
Oh my god, please Maybe? You'll just have to tune in to find out. It takes me a minute. At first, I won't like the whiskey, but the more I drink it, the more I'll like it. Um, I don't drink a lot of whiskey, but it's more of because if I did, I would be a drunk. <laughs> my my dad is a drunk and is a big fan of whiskey. Um, I remember once I got him Fireball because I was like, I wonder what your opinion of this is. And he drank it and he absolutely hated it because he said it was too sweet. Yeah, that adds up. That sounds like something your dad would say. <laughs> um, uh, but my, that's, I mean, it's not my favorite wine, but like, have you ever had Oliver? Yeah. Yeah. A bottle of Oliver Rosé was my pregame drink in college. Just drink an entire sense. bottle of Oliver because it was cheap, tasted good, and get you drunk. That's all you needed. Yep. <laughs> Uh, what? Yeah, in college, like that's all me and my friends would do. We would just buy our own bottles of wine because I like Oliver well enough because you know it's sugary. Yeah, it's um, very sweet. <laughs> so yeah, so that's what we would do. Um, I can't really do vodka anymore. Uh, even the smell of vodka just sets me off. Oh, uh, dude, I've never been able to do vodka. I um, uh, vodka and I have an understanding. It gets as many people drunk as it wants as long as I'm not one of them. uh if if i ever had vodka um i would turn into what me and my friends would affectionately refer to as the incredible sulk because (laughs) depressing i I would get sad and ruin parties (laughs) uh yeah i would uh that was my problem too i would drink a lot of vodka and i'd be really fun for about two hours (laughs) 